I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. We have given up operational control over a major portion of a major American city. <laughs> yes. Oh, this world, man. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that in a little while. You know we're not going to start off with that crap. It's not doing it, Chris. I can't do it. 
Half the time, I'm talking history just because I want to avoid the news. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's go to Japan. Japan is a fascinating place to me. I've always found it to be extremely, extremely fascinating. Every part about it. Modern, 100 years ago, 300 years ago, I just find it to be fascinating. Very, very, very different culture. Very different. I have been to couple different places in Asia, and Japan is different. It's not like everywhere else. It's certainly not like here. It's not like other Asian nations. It's different. But we are going all the way back to the year 1701 in Japan. Now, we need to do a brief little setup for you. This is what it's like there because, uh, let's be frank, What do any of us really know about 1701 Japan? Pretty much nothing. (laughs) So let's do a little setup. Japan at this time has an emperor. Kind of. When I say kind of, this is what I mean. They have an emperor. He is not as strong as later emperors would be. Now, don't get me wrong, he was still kind of thought of as a god, but didn't really have any power. I know that's difficult to wrap your mind around, but that's really what it was like. He had power, but he wasn't calling the shots. He had power, he had bodyguards, he had a fancy palace. I'm sure he had the best food, all the pretty ladies, all the things an emperor has. But the emperor was not some god king where he would just ride through the countryside and do as he pleased. No, no, no. Underneath, but kind of not underneath, the emperor was something called a shogun. Sweetest name ever. I think we can all pretty much agree. In fact, I would like to from now on be known as Jesse Shogun Kelly. You can still call me the Oracle. People can have multiple nicknames. Please call me Shogun. Yes, and Steel. Oracle, Shogun, or Steel. Any of those are fine for now. So, Jesse, Shogun, Kelly. And the Shogun underneath, but not underneath, the Emperor, was the military leader of the country. Japan was... It's very, it's a funny thing. Extremely orderly, extremely traditional, yet at the same time, always assassinations, always civil war. And really, you got to be shogun sometimes by winning one of the civil wars. They had a huge one. And you came out on top, Emperor's like, well, clearly you're the big dog, shogun. Now, you got the Emperor Shogun thing out of the way. You don't have to memorize those. It's not a story about those, even though this is a sweet story. Underneath them were daimyos, warlords. There were 300 of them in Japan. 
they ruled their own area. To make it easier for you, and because I don't really care about official names, I care about everybody kind of understanding what's happening, just consider them 300 states. 300 dudes in charge of those states. Now you need to get this. When I say in charge, I mean in charge. The Danyo ruled his state and did anything he wanted to it. He was not some elected official. He was not a governor. He was not even, you know, well, I mean, he's kind of in charge. But if we're unhappy with the taxation system, we can go above his head. No. Your Danyo in charge of you rules over you and does whatever he wants to you. And as you can imagine, there were different Danyos. And boy, you want to talk about luck of the draw. There were many, many, many people who lived under wonderful ones who believed in treating their people well and taking care of everyone and discipline and honor and things like that. And there were several who were just, I mean, do the math. What could somebody do if he was basically a god king over a state? How many stories have we told about that? That the horrible things men are capable of. Especially when they're put in charge with total power over, over other men. That's just a recipe for disaster all the time. Which brings us to where we are now. Now you're briefly set up. Oh, and I should mention... Because it will be critical to our story. Samurai. You know what a samurai is. Undoubtedly, you've seen enough movies. You know what a samurai is. Understand. They were not just tough guys wearing swords with armor on. To be a samurai, which that was about 10%. Now, we like to view Japan as well. It was a bunch of pretty hot Asian chicks and samurais, and there was nobody else. No, it was a big society like any other big society. They had merchants and traders and teachers and hookers and, and everything else a society does from the top to the bottom. You understand what I mean? Like any other society. But about 10% were samurai. A samurai calls the shots. A samurai is not not somebody who just walks around with a sword on. In fact, during your training for samurai, you were not allowed to walk around with it. Actually, walked around with two swords on, a short one and a long one. You were not allowed to walk around with them unless you were a samurai. And once you became a samurai, you were not allowed to walk around without them. You were required to have them on. This was not just sword fighting. It was a way of life to them. You could easily, if you looked at everything it entailed, call it a religion. It, is, it governed everything in their lives. It was rigid discipline, extensive physical training, and not just with a sword, You would not want to be trapped in a room alone with a samurai today, weapons or no weapons. These people were always fighting, wrestling, becoming more and more, I mean, tough. That's what they were. These people had a severe way of looking at the world. When I say severe, 
I mean, honor is everything to them. When I say honor, I don't mean just, you know, don't insult my wife. I mean, tiny things can lead to open combat. The way you die is everything to them, and death is in no way something you were taught to dread as a samurai. You were taught to embrace it. Just make sure you die the right way. Fast forward to that story I told you a long time ago, that famous story about Hiro Inoda. I'm getting a sign that we're going to break, so you're going to have to hang on a second to hear about Hiro Inoda. <laughs> hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. Do you let your kids go play in traffic in a busy highway? Probably not, right? It's probably not something you do because you care about them. You protect your children, don't you? Then why do you let them get on the internet in your house without ExpressVPN? That's essentially the internet version of letting them play in traffic. They are exposed online unless you have ExpressVPN, which keeps you anonymous and protected. ExpressVPN protects 100% of your data every single time you get on the internet in your home. And if you don't have it, there are bad people out there who can see what you're doing, what your children are doing. Start protecting your family. Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse. That's expressvpn.com slash jesse. Go there. Get it now. Hiro Inoda, this is not a story about World War II or any of that other stuff, but Hiro Inoda, just to give you some kind of an indication how how honor worked back then, Hiro Inoda was a Japanese soldier during World War II. He went into the Philippines. He was told by his commander there was there was a time in the in World War II where the Japanese were really losing and they knew they were losing, and they would turn units loose, essentially. They were told here, here's your island. Make life a living hell for people who live here. Kill as many people as you can. Sabotage as many people as you can. Kind of sweet, right? But just go. That's We don't have time to monitor you or feed you. You're, have a good one. And he's left there in, I, don't quote me on this, I think 1944, they leave him and other people on the Philippines. He doesn't come out until the 70s, until the 1970s. He has been killing Filipino people for 30 years. He still thinks the war is going on. They would Relatives would come see him, but he wouldn't come out because he was only allowed to be relieved by his commander. 
They would leave him stacks of newspapers, and he'd think they were all forged. Like, what? no, Japan didn't surrender. Under, since the 70s. In the 70s, he came out. They finally had to yank his former commander, who was uh, just a normal, like, Japanese merchant of some kind. They had to pull him out of his daily job and fly him to the Philippines so he could officially relieve Anoda so he would stop killing people in the Filipino jungle. <laughs> but the most amazing part of that story is, it's not most amazing, this, was, this is back to what I was talking about. He told the story after, and this was common practice, his own mother. Pause for a moment and think about your mother, Okay. How much does your mother love you? Your mother loves you in a unique way, doesn't she? I mean, Lord willing, your father loves you too, but a mother's love is unique. what, What happens? Who comes running to pick you up when you fall off your bike and a kid and skin up your knee? Mom. Dad does the thing I do. Get up. Brush it off. You're fine. Mom is the one who heals your little boo-boos. Mom runs you. Mom, Mom loves you different. Hiro Inodo's mother handed him a knife when he left for combat and told him to make sure he kills himself before he gets captured. That is samurai. Now, obviously, he wasn't a samurai, but they took so much of that era in Japan, they were taking the teachings of the samurai. Honor was everything to them, including how you die. Which brings us to a nice little ceremony happening for the emperor. There's a man there. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to bore you with names, and I'm definitely not going to pronounce the whole name because I can't pronounce it, and I'm not going to make your eyes glaze over. I'm going to give you three names this entire time. Okay. This is the first one. His name is Kira. Kira is there. A man named Oishi is there. Now, Oishi is in charge of his own little kingdom. He has a bunch of samurai underneath him. Oishi's, you know, he's one of those dudes. Kira is there, and he is teaching Oishi about the things he has to do, the specific things he has to do for an upcoming ceremony. Understand? Do this, do that. Make sure you have these people stand here. Oishi, are you listening? Oishi, make sure you're this. Oishi, make sure you're dressed like that. Make sure they're doing this. And ceremony is important to these people. And they're in the emperor's palace. So be on your best behavior. Kira, by all accounts, is a huge jerk. And I mean a huge jerk. Terribly thought of. There are several different plays and things written about him, and in all of them, he's made out to be a bad human being. Nevertheless, he's calling the shots on this day. Oishi do this, Oishi do that. Talking down to Oishi extensively, which that alone is a good way to get yourself killed if you're talking to somebody like that in Japan. However, there is no violence allowed at all. In the emperor's palace. And not when I say not allowed, this is Japan, Jack. In 1701, you're going to die. Be on your best behavior. 
Kira pushes it a little too far. Forces Oishi to retie his sandals. I don't understand exactly how their footwear worked. It was half sock, half sandal. I'm not going to pretend to be some expert on it, but you know the drill. Hey, producer Chris, come over here and tie my shoes. Is there anything more disrespectful than that? You might as well, I might as well spit in his face, right? Now, how do you think a samurai would react to come tie my shoes now? Uh, probably going to be a problem. It certainly was a problem for Oishi, who pulls out his blade and tries to cut off Kira's head. <laughs> now, Kira happens to be wearing some sort of headgear with metal on it, which saved his life, so it deflects the blade, but it slices open Kira's forehead. Blood is pouring out. Kira has now been assaulted by a man with the blade in the castle, and Kira has a decision to make. We don't know why. We don't know what's in a man's heart whether it was from cowardice or whether he just wanted to follow the rules of the emperor. But Kira turns around and runs away. Now we need to take a quick side note here. In the samurai code, in the way the samurai lived, whether you can say that was an assassination attempt a cheap shot, however you and I would classify what Oishi tried to do to Kira, according to the samurai, no matter what he tried to do, that was a formal challenge to a fight. As a samurai, you are required to turn around and fight. Required by law. It doesn't matter that's against what the emperor says. Again, remember, the emperor is a funny thing. I don't care what the emperor says. I don't care that it's against the law. I don't care they're going to pull your fingernails out and rip your head off. You are required by law, according to the samurai code, to turn and fight. You do not turn and fight. You've dishonored everybody. Me, you, everybody. You've dishonored all of them. That is going to come into play here in our story big time. Now, Kira takes off. Palace guard comes and stops Oishi because he just broke the emperor's law. That's a very, very, very big deal. Oishi is, again, 1701 Japan. We don't really do misdemeanors. Oishi is sentenced to death. Which brings us to a little bit of a gruesome part. Cover your ears, kiddos. We have to describe what exactly is seppuku. Seppuku may be something you've seen in the movies. I think they did it fairly accurately in the movie The Last Samurai, if I remember right. But you need to understand this is what it is. You will take down your robe from the waist up. So you're naked from the waist up. You will get down in a kneeling position. You will bunch up your robe behind you because it is considered disgraceful if you fall backwards when you die. You are supposed to fall forward. Now it gets a little ugly. Hang on. 
You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Seppuku. Remember, you're on your knees, you're disrobed from the top down to your waist. It is bunched up behind you so you don't fall backwards, and you have to take your knife and you have to stab it into your guts. And I think I need to clarify something really, really quickly. I know you're not going to find this surprising, but your guts are extremely sensitive with nerve endings everywhere. It is widely known one of the worst places you can get shot in combat is your gut because there are so many nerve endings there. One, two, it's so full of the different acids and things your body uses to to break down food that not only are you slicing open cuts, sorry, this is gross, not only are you slicing open cuts, you're slicing open acid, which is leaking into those cuts instantly. It's just agonizing. Any stomach wound is supposed to be agonizing. I mean, I had an appendectomy once, an emergency appendectomy once. I'm sure many of you have as well. I'm telling you what. It was a little difficult to walk. If the wife wasn't watching, I might have just curled up in a ball and cried. It's tough. So, seppuku, you slip the knife into your guts, not into your heart, into your guts, and you carve that knife across your guts horizontally. You don't just slip it in there. You stab and then slice all the way across. You then, I'm not making this up, I'm sorry, this is what they did. You then turn the knife in your guts. Do you know how vicious that is? That part alone? Just being stabbed is bad enough. Stabbed and slice twice as bad. Turning it? So it's no longer slicing, it's slice tearing is it would be it would be a form of torture in any other any other scenario. You would do that to torture somebody. 
but you slice it clear across your guts, you turn it, then you cut up. Oh, and did I mention, remember the honor thing? Remember how important that is? You're supposed to do this without, let alone crying out. Oh, there's no crying out. You're not supposed to show any pain on your face. Stoic. No look. You get one of your friends, not an enemy, a friend, either a man who served underneath you, somebody like that. You have a friend standing there with his samurai sword raised in the air in case you do show any pain. He will bring the sword down to cut off your head so you don't make a sound and dishonor yourself. He's doing that as a favor to you. Your buddy does it. Hey, man, I'm going to carve out my guts. I know we've been close a long time. Would you mind cutting off my head? When I said different, I meant different. And this wasn't something that happened, you know, I'd happened a couple times. This was a way of life for samurai in Japan. This was a way of life. And it could happen to you for things you couldn't even control. You see, a samurai was there to guard his master, guard his danyo. Let's say your danyo's out one day, tells you, hey, Jerry, stay back here. Go fishing with the kids. I know you've been missing your son. Go fishing with the kids. I'm going to grab these couple dudes, and I'm going to head out. We're going to go walk through the woods in our sandals and stuff. And he gets ambushed by 50 dudes and dies. You're supposed to kill yourself. Your danyo died, and you didn't protect him. Doesn't matter. Wasn't your fault. Doesn't, does not matter. Big deal, right? Oishi, the man who attacked Kira and that castle, sentenced to death by seppuku. And realize this, that was considered an honorable way to let him die. That was not dishonor. They could have dishonored him by killing him themselves. It was honorable to let him do it. Perform the ceremony, do it. Slices open his own guts, actually starts to show pain, as you can imagine. So he he extends his own neck out so his friend will cut his head off before he can make a sound. Slice, head rolled off, dead. Now we have an issue. What happens... To Oishi's samurai. To the men underneath him. They can kill themselves. Absolutely. In fact, many people would say it's the honorable thing to do, but here's the issue for them. Oh, what about our master's honor? Our master has been dishonored by the fact that Kira turned around and ran like a little girl instead of fighting. In order for us to have any honor... Kira has to die. He has to die. Period. Well, Kira's not an idiot. Kira is aware of this dynamic. So Kira takes off 
His father-in-law was a hugely powerful dude, and Kira goes and hides in his father-in-law's castle. I wouldn't want a bunch of mad samurai at me either. I'm going to go hang out in the castle, and these samurai have to decide what they're going to do with their life. Now, not all samurai killed themselves when their master died. Some became what they call ronin, R-O-N-I-N. Great Great spy movie. Underrated spy movie, by the way, if you've never seen it. Yes, it's got Robert De Niro. He's a crazy person. But if you are, if you have a thing for spy flicks at all, highly recommend the movie Ronan. And Ronan really just meant wanderer, meaning you're a highly trained samurai. You've chosen not to kill yourself, which would have been the honorable thing to do. Um, what else are you going to do with yourself? Here you are, this stud with the sword and everything else. So they would either become bandits or become mercenaries. It never hurts to have a couple samurai doing some work for you, right? And these samurai have to decide what they're going to do. Now, the final name I'm going to give you, you know Kira, you know Oishi who killed himself, Aisano. Maybe saying that wrong, that's how I'm saying it. Isano. He decides we cannot let this go. So he has a meeting in a grove. Him and 46 other samurai have a meeting. And they decide we need our honor back. How do we get our honor back? We have to kill Kira. We can't kill Kira right now. What do we do? So they put their heads together and they figure out they're going to do one of the most massive deep cover operations ever. They're being followed, virtually all of them, by Kira's men because Kira is clearly concerned about the samurai who were under Oishi. He knows they're probably a little salty about it. And so Kira's having them all followed to make sure they're not plotting against him. So here's what the 47 Ronin decide to do. They're going to make it look like they virtually disappeared or laid down their swords for other professions. They're going to become carpenters, merchants. Some of them, including Isano, the leader, He's going to flat out become a drunk, a public drunk. Hang on. I've got an animal inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. I love going to bed now. Now, let's let's be fair. I've always loved going to bed. I've always loved taking a nap or trying to. But now, because of Ebb's sleep, I know I'm going to sleep. And I will tell you, this will be this will be music to the ears of people who don't sleep. You know what it's like when you're going to bed and you're worried you're not going to sleep. I can't tell you what a better life it is to be walking into my bedroom to go to sleep at night and knowing I'm about to knock out, and I'm about to wake up and feel refreshed. That's what Ebb Sleep can do for you. It's a wearable device. You put it on your head. It applies precise, continuous cooling to your forehead, putting you asleep faster and keeping you asleep 
by calming your thoughts. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Enter the code jesse at checkout. Get yourself 25 bucks off. The 47 Ronin know they have to bide their time, know they're being watched. They know Kira is watching out for them, so they go deep cover, and their leader, Isano, goes deep cover as the town drunk. That part of this is fascinating. Now, the other parts are really fascinating, too. The other guys... They go deep cover as servants and carpenters in Kira's mansion. They work their way into Kira's mansion and they begin a year-long scouting mission. Who will actually fight for Kira? Who will not? What are the exits? How do we get in? How do we get out? A year-long spy op. I told you this was the coolest thing ever. But Isano is the one that really fascinates me because to make yourself the town drunk so they'll stop stop suspecting you, it would be, gosh, it would be, it would be like me going to WNBA games. (laughs) Quit. No, but in all seriousness, remember honor. I'm not saying Samurai didn't drink. I'm sure they enjoyed a sake every now and then. Um, you don't, you don't get drunk publicly as a samurai. You would never even consider it. You'd get tossed out immediately. Shoot by all intents and purposes. The guy should have killed himself by now. Now, not only has he not killed himself. Now he's the town drunk. They would drink publicly and make themselves look like degenerates. They would publicly visit the houses of ill repute. One time, Isano, as the story goes, made himself so drunk, he passed out in the middle of the road, and somebody, disgusted that he had fallen so far, spit in his face and kicked him while he was passed out. Purposely disgracing himself like that, so he would throw off the scent of Kira's men and work his way into the mansion. He goes home that day after somebody woke him up mid-morning, goes home to see his wife, who is horrified, obviously does not recognize her husband. What has happened to you? What happened to the man I married? And realize samurai honor, we didn't talk about this earlier, very much extended to the women and children. Their women were taught extensively how to fight, taught to be you know, respectful, but not, this is not, look, I don't want to act like women were, were equal to the men, but they, again, throughout history, we always act like because the women didn't do all the thing the men do, 
they were, you know, these horrible slaves. The women were not second-class citizens, honored, treasured, your wife, things like that. But samurai women were also taught, should enemy samurai ever break in, attack, to kill themselves. Avoid dishonor at all costs. So that is, it's a family affair when you do the samurai thing. It's a family affair. She walks in, or he walks in. She sees him bloodshot, spit on, drunk. She's mortified. He kicks her out of the house. Acts like he doesn't want her anymore. Has a big fight with her in the house because he actually sees the shadows of Kira's spies outside of his own house. Has a fight with his wife. Kicks her out. Trading you in for a younger model type thing. The spies take off. Go back and tell Kira. Kira thinks he's safe. Only he's not safe. Now. Now it's game on. Kira is safely back in his mansion. Security is relaxed. He calls the spies off of Oishi's old men. Who cares? They're a bunch of drunks anyway. The others have disappeared and goes about his daily life. Now, one night, these 47 Ronin get their things together, arm up for battle. And this may be my favorite part of the story. They go around in the middle of the night, the night of the attack, they knock on all the neighbors' doors. The neighbors open up. I'm sorry, what, what do you want? We are going to go kill Kira. Just wanted to give you a heads up. That commotion you're about to hear, that's what's going to happen. You are not in any danger in any way. Stay inside. It's all good. None of the neighbors warned Kira. Should tell you what kind of reputation he had. All of them went back inside, closed the doors. Now it's game on. They knew the best way in. They tried to get in the front door and the back door at the same time. Could not get in the front door because the guard who had normally had the key didn't have the key that night. But they bust through the back. Hang on. They bust in the back door, and it's snowing. Isn't that a scene like out of the movies? It's snowing in some Japanese castle in 1700s, early 1700s. They bust in the back door, and immediately 10 of them grappling hook their way up to the roof. Why did they do that? They were the ones with bows and arrows. You see, as soon as they bust in the back door... Kira starts sending out his samurai, only they're groggy. It's a surprise attack, and the assassins are ready to go. They start slaughtering Kira's samurai. Kira freaks, as you would, starts sending messengers. 
Hey, father-in-law, come help. Only the messengers never get to their destination because the 10 people who scampered up to the roof, they're filling them with arrows before they can get there. Taking out anybody who cries for help. They fight their way through the castle, fight their way into Kira's bedroom, and they can't find him. He's gone. But one of the men notices something. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. One of his men noticed something. One of Isano's men noticed something and they couldn't find him. What he noticed was this. Um, the bed's still warm. We can't find him, but the bed is still warm. Hmm. They find a hole cut in the wall. They, they crawl through the hole The hole eventually leads to a courtyard where there's an outhouse. Apparently, it's a big one because there are multiple people in the outhouse. They throw open the door. The few remaining samurai Kira had left come charging out. They're sliced to bits immediately. And there's Kira. Isano, the leader of the 47 Ronin, drags Kira out, hands Kira a knife, out of respect, and they say, kill yourself. They are allowing him to perform seppuku on himself. Again, honorable. He can't do it. He sits there weeping, whimpering. They slice off his head. They then take the head And they leave the castle. But before they leave the castle, they put all the fires out in the castle. All the candles burning and such. Why would they do such a thing? Because they didn't want the castle to catch fire and then for the fire to spread and burn down the neighboring houses. They did it out of respect for the neighbors they told wouldn't be harmed. They took the head of Kira, they took it to the grave of Isano, or I'm sorry, they took it to the grave of Oishi, they cleaned the head up, a little gruesome, and placed the cleaned up head of Kira at the grave of their former master. They then went to a temple, gave all their money, To the dudes running the temple, that way they could have a proper burial. 
And they got down on their knees and they waited for the authorities to come. All 47 of them just sat there. The authorities showed up, didn't even attempt to draw a blade. In fact, they sent a messenger to go get the authorities. All of the men were sentenced to death. On February 4th, 1703, all 47 Ronin committed seppuku. They were all buried with their masters. Rules, laws, honor, these are funny things, right? Life is complicated. Here's what you have experienced and I have experienced for all of our lives as Americans. If you're an immigrant here, there's a good chance you've experienced the other half of this. But if you're an immigrant here, you experience something else. Americans, however, have experienced this. We are a Judeo-Christian country. That's how we were founded. I'm not saying you all are, but that's what, the, that's what America is. So let's say you're a Jew or a Christian in America, which, look, I see the numbers. My audience is huge. But the vast majority is that, or at least leans that way, even if you're not regularly church-going. You have lived your entire life, all of your existence, all you've ever known is a nation whose laws, in general, whose policies, whose politicians have really really kind of gone along with everything you believe. Even if they don't believe what you believe, you haven't been oppressed by it. You've never, ever, as an American, had to make a choice between following your God, following your own personal honor code, and following American law. And you wouldn't. Our laws were based on Judeo-Christian things. Understand this. That is not the history of the world. Many societies have worked that way. Many have not. And it's time for you, as you look around you and you survey the madness of this world, and you see leftist control of our culture in its final form, You are going to have to accept what I'm about to say. And I realize it's a bitter pill to swallow. I realize it can be tough to accept, and I am not in any way trying to bring you down or encourage you to do anything you don't feel is right. But understand this. What you know to be right, what you know to be honorable, The way you choose to live your life, the way you want your kids to live their lives, very, very, very shortly 
is about to be the opposite of what is allowed in our society. And you are going to have to make your peace now, not before, not when the day comes. Now, you are going to have to make your peace with how you approach that, with what you're going to do in that moment. Look around you. They own everything. Yeah, we have Donald Trump. Yes, the, D, the GOP, useless as it is, owns the Senate. They own everything in our society. That would be like in, in Japan that we just described, us owning the relatively powerless emperor and them owning all 300 danyos and the shogun. They have it all. You are not the silent majority. You are not the real power base in America. You aren't. I'm not. You and I, we are officially the outsiders. I don't care how many people sell you I'm oppressed. You and I are the minorities. You and I are the outsiders completely devoid of any cultural power. What power do you have? Over 90% of the televised media, theirs. Over 90% of the federal government, theirs. The entire U.S. education system, theirs. The entire entertainment system, theirs. The House of Representatives, theirs. They have operational control of every major U.S. city. Start accepting the reality of life now in America and start making plans. Because I promise you this, the next 20, 30 years of your life are going to look different than the last 20 or 30. Suck it up. We got to keep going. Newton Group Transfer, they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 